Welcome to the Dandelion Podcast. This is a special extra episode we're putting out, and uh, this evening we have me and Swoosh is here too. Unfortunately, Hello. we couldn't get Jondo in for this one, but we were able to replace him with someone just as good. Oliver Brackenberry's back to talk to us. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. So, uh, for anyone who missed it, although go back and listen to it, it was a very good episode. Uh, we talked to Oliver back when he was getting ready to get started on his new magazine, New Edge Sword and Sorcery. At the time, we were anticipating the release of Issue Zero. That has happened, and by all accounts, has done quite well from what I hear. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it has, it has done well. It has done well, certainly enough that I'm uh, putting myself right out on a ledge by mm. trying to run a Kickstarter to pay for professional printing uh, and better pay for uh, contributors for issues one and two, the sort of official proper mega launch. You know, issue zero was this test, this prototype to find out, do I even like making a magazine? Answer, hard yes. Uh, does anybody <laughs> else like what the hell I'm making? Uh, answer, uh, yes, yes, it seems. I mean, we've gotten yeah. a lot of good press, uh, which is nice. Um, some which you can check out on the website, newedgethornsorcery.com. I put up a little press page if people want to check out other people saying it's great, because obviously I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I, I, haven't, I should have checked the count this morning, but it was maybe a month or two ago we, we passed the point where combined across all three formats, we've had at least like uh, close to 1,500 people uh, check it out, uh, which nice. is not bad for something that came out of nowhere with $0 ad budget. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty, pretty proud of what we have achieved uh, in the meanwhile. So yeah, it was maybe, yeah, we, I, I promised it would come out in September and it did September 30th, <laughs> but it did. Still uh, technically December, it's still a win. Exactly. <laughs> technically right <laughs> is the best kind of right. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> um, and since then, like, I, I think it was probably around November, maybe a month later, I kind of looked at the numbers and looked at the responses from people and went, you know, it still feels like a bit of a gamble because it's independent publishing and I'm just some guy. I'm just some guy. I do not have any backing of any company or whatever uh, to do this. But I thought, you know, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. I think people want more. I want to read more. Uh, so that's a good sign. Um, uh, the contributors all seem to enjoy working on it. So, you know, if you read or enjoyed somebody in issue zero, uh, except for two people because of just scheduling stuff, um, everybody's coming back. Yes. All of our artists are coming back. If you, if you if you enjoyed the art, every single one of them is going to be back for one of the issues, one or two. And I started spending time uh, working really hard, emailing and scouting and so on, because uh, I'm not doing open submissions uh, mm -hmm. right now. I want to make sure I can get each stage of this thing like down well uh, yeah. before I add another another thing. So like issue zero, I was like, I'm going to make the magazine, and I'm not going to try and make the magazine and also learn how to. Um, do professional printing and Kickstartering because that on top of learning how to make the magazine, I'll get overloaded. So that's yeah. why, one of many reasons why we did the, you know, it's, it's free. Uh, listener, if this is your first time hearing, you can check out issue zero real easy. In digital, it's free. In soft cover and hardcover, we did Amazon print on demand. So I didn't have to learn about printing, right? Um, and there we sold it at cost, which means we sold it literally as cheap as possible. There's no profit on issue zero, which is important to me, partly because I wanted it to be very easy to check out, but also because yeah. I didn't have money to pay my contributors. So why should I make money, right? That's not ethical. <laughs> so, that's fair. But you, that's, that's not sustainable. That free price point has actually allowed me to show that issue to people I know who hadn't really ever read Sword and Sorcery or even knew yeah. what it was. And now they, when I told them, hey, the Kickstarter's happening, they're like, send me the link. Yeah. 
awesome. It's a great Perfect. onboarding point, I think, which is really, really good for any community, but just getting to the wider people. Thank you. And, and yeah, and of course, that's part of the whole mission of the thing, right? I mean, I want the magazine to succeed, and I don't want to sound too evangelical about it, because with Issues 1 and 2, I am trying to make it sustainable. And what that means in our late capitalist hellscape is a business. I do need yeah. to turn it into a business. Um, but it's not because I'm going to get rich from independent publishing. I, I, it's hilarious when sometimes people, very rare, very rare, but I have had one one guy accuse me of a cash grab, uh, which I <laughs> found very funny. I was like, if I want to grab cash, uh, I would get an MBA. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. I would get into something really fucking evil like oil. <laughs> like, just like, this is not this is small, not the small publishing do does not net you a uh, retirement, unfortunately. That's God. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe you do this kind of stuff because you love it, not because there's money involved. Because there's very little. Yeah, exactly. But if you want it to keep happening, then yeah, you and you want it to be at the best quality possible. And that's the thing for me, right? I, I, I very early on, I decided if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go as hard as I can. And what that means is putting out the highest quality product I can. I'm a big lover of the book as physical artifact. And that's why yeah. we did the unusual move. Nobody else is doing it that I'm aware of still of publishing the magazine, not only in digital and soft cover, but hard cover. And mm. about one out of six people who bought the magazine since issue zero uh, debuted have bought the hardcover. And from what I've heard, rather enjoyed it. It does look lovely on the shelf. I've got my copy here. Uh, but one of the many reasons we want to move to uh, what we're going to do is, is we're also going to do professional printing this time around. We've actually got a dedicated printer. We've reached out to down the whole thing and figuring out quotes and prices and blah, blah, blah. Nice. Um, is because I want it to be available until it's not, which sounds funny, right? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't that be how everything goes? But with Amazon POD, what I've experienced since we've launched the magazine is it's available sometimes and then it isn't. And then I have to bug them and then they go, we fixed it, but we're not going to tell you what happened. And then a few months yeah. later, it becomes unavailable again in a different country. And so, you know, just before we started recording, you know, Seth was saying, like, I'd like to get the hardcover, but it's not available in Australia. And I said, oh, no, I thought I dealt with that. And then we checked yeah. again just now and it's not available again. Like, and it's print on demand, which doesn't make any sense. Like, can't they just fire yeah. up the printing presses and make another one? It so. <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently, I just yeah. get to see yours and be real, real jelly. Uh, yeah, so it's so to my mind, it's like, well, okay. I mean, there were a bunch of reasons to want to escape uh, Amazon uh, on the printing side. But certainly for hardcovers, it's like, okay, well, this time around, we're, it will be limited edition uh, to get uh, the, uh, 100 people will be able to get hardcovers of one and two. Um, all our backer tiers are going to be get one and two. So that makes it easier for us mm. to plan this. Uh, if way too many people got one issue, it could throw things off. So yeah, 100 people can get uh, one and two and uh, enough people that it's not bother, it's not worth making it limited edition can get the soft cover, which is what I say five out of six people might with, with issue zero. So yeah, uh, and also that it's also fun to offer the hardcover because this time around we can actually put some really cool enhancements on it. Yeah. So we have two stretch goals currently, though, as we record this, um, six, seven days. What is it? Thursday? Thursday? Yeah. So seven days. Pardon me. <laughs> Until the Kickstarter launches. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and is there still time for me to tweak things? Who knows? But I'm pretty locked uh, for this. Mm. We'll have two hardcover exclusive enhancements. One of them will be uh, bookmark ribbons. Uh, you, yeah. I say plural. You'll have two. And because of the sort of two-tone uh, color scheme of our cover for hardcovers, which frame the art, uh, and then or, you know, as opposed to have the art covering the whole cover like it does for the soft cover. Um, mm -hmm. So we have this kind of like beige and navy blue thing that we've done with issue zero. Mm -hmm. I eyedropper tooled those out of the original art that Gilead did. And my plan is for issue one and two to do the same thing. We'll get original art, uh, one, yeah. issue two by Gilead, issue one by Katarina Gabrizi. And I will just eyedropper tool the two best, you know, playing together colors out of their art and then use that to make the two-tone color scheme of the hardcover frame and uh. the bookmarks. 
Okay. Which I'm told I can get in every color under the sun. So the bookmarks will nice. be like color coordinated with the magazine. Um, Ooh, and then like the other that. thing, uh, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, foil embossed will make the logo yes. and title uh, like nice gold, silver, whatever color makes most sense again to go with the color scheme for each of the two hardcovers. And if we raise more money than we know what to do with, I might look into end papering, which if you're not familiar with the term, uh, if you ever get like an old um, paperback from like the 70s or 80s in the sort of SFF yeah. sphere, uh, even the 50s and 60s actually, uh, sometimes you'll notice the edges of the pages are like navy blue or green or pink yeah. or yellow. That's what that means. So we might even have, you know, colored ends pages for funsies, but then that's, that's if we get like, you know, Cash grab money. Ugh. Yeah, like, <laughs> get grief. <laughs> hey, look, Kickstarters have blown up before out of nowhere. It could happen. Oh yeah, no, I've backed I, a I couple. It it's like it's uh, fifth edition modules that have become like you know two million. I think they made. It's like we have no idea what to do with this. We're just going to funnel it back into the book now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> good grief! Well, I mean, if that happens, I'll be pretty happy. But yeah, and that's I think a good, that would be the good attitude, right? Like. You know, my whole philosophy with this, again, like I said, is to try and make the best thing possible. And there's, yeah. there's sort of, it's, these are like the guiding principles of the stretch goals, but really the whole thing. I want to make the, the highest quality uh, book possible. That's one. And so most of our enhancements and stuff, sorry, stretch goals are like enhancements to the book. The very first one doubles the amount of interior illustration from mm. 18 black and white illustrations to, uh, sorry, from nine per issue to 18 per issue. So 36 total. Um, so yeah, that's like yes. each story gets two illustrations, right? It can have like a title page illustration and another sort of spoilery one deeper nestled in the text when the yeah. cool moment actually happens, you know, cause that was sort of a funny, uh, struggle we had okay. with issue zero where we could, we could only get one illustration per issue except for the one where the author was also an artist, <laughs> bless him. Uh, Rimko Van Stratton did a few extras for his story. Um, so we had to be like, okay, artist, uh, if it's too spoilery, we have to bury it deep. We can't do a title page for that one. And it meant we yeah. were kind of inconsistent in our formatting from story to story. So my real hope is that we get the first stretch goal with the double illustrations, and then I can be like, okay, one illustration will always be the title page, and then the other one will be the, the cool moment uh, deep print. It will also really okay. help differentiate story to story because you'll get that nice mm. title artwork. Nice break. Exactly, exactly. And I can tell I'm already getting lost in detail, which, pardon me, uh, listener, this is a danger if you embark <laughs> upon this kind of a big project, is it has so many little cul-de-sacs of thought, and you're very excited about all of them, and it makes it very difficult for you to be coherent when telling other people about things, which is tricky when you're on a podcast trying to really get people excited about the thing. Yeah. But yeah, so point is, sorry, three points, book enhancements, uh, paying contributors more, right? Yes. Like I said, it was a passion project for issue zero, everybody did it for free. Um, but you can't keep doing that. People have to eat and pay rent and other weird expenses like that. So uh, we have started a semi-pro payment for our authors and artists, which is, I think, not bad to start. This is our first time out the gate trying to fund. I'm not going to assume we can get uh, pro-rate money that we would need to pay them. But uh, most of our stretch goals are alternating pay bumps. So right after that doubling yes. the art, which is kind of a pay bump for the artist because it's like another piece they get paid to do. Um, yeah. Then we just alternate between author and artist pay bumps until we get everybody up to prorate. And then uh, only then we give a little boost to the staff, which does not include me, uh, but it does include, uh, you know, our copy editor, our layout design guy, uh, you know, like our social media guy. With I'd be lost without him, um, yeah. you know, because they deserve to get a bit better of an honorarium. I mean, we can't pay people yeah. uh, at the staff level oh, proper wages yet but I hope so. And then after that, it's more book enhancements, and it gets us to the third thing of three, 
that is very important to me with the magazine, which is making it accessible. Now, part of that is price, right? So like we're, we've tried to keep the price down as much as we can. It's all going to be kind of fancy magazine price, but it's a fancy magazine. So I figure that works out. Uh, and we'll have digital, which won't be free because that's not sustainable, but it will be digital yeah. price. It'll be cheap. Um, so we'll have digital, which also, of course, makes it accessible by shipping. That's easy for digital. Mm-hmm. But people who want physical artifacts who don't live in America might be a little put off by the thought of paying a lot of shipping, right? Yeah. That's a common problem with book projects. You guys are in Australia. You know the deal. Um, And I thought about this because even in Canada, I'm right next door to the States, and I have had to go "Eh," at a few book projects in the last couple of years because the shipping Mm. would just be so much, even for me, just over the border. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought about that, and I thought, okay, well, how can we make this magazine more accessible internationally? Oh, I know. We'll just make a stretch goal that is a fund. It's a pot of money that will be used to take five bucks US off Canadian shipping, 10 bucks US off international shipping. Uh, I wish yeah. I could pay for all the shipping, but you know. Uh, yeah, so if we get that stretch goal. I appreciate that so much. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm hoping we get that stretch goal. To Canada, try getting it out of here. We're talking like, oh. uh, I think what the last big Kickstarter for books that I backed. I think I paid almost $150 in additional shipping fees. Oh my God. I think it was around that, yeah, because we were getting how many books? About 11 or 12? Uh, 15 books at £12 pounds yeah. for the whole lot. Yeah. 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 Basically, it's, it's, the amount yeah. we paid in shipping was roughly the same amount we paid for the Kickstarter, but I will yeah. never complain. It was still really good. And, and even that's better than some. I, I was looking at one thing where I would be paying 150% of the value of the magazine to get the copy oh, of the wow. magazine shipped from that's- the States. Jesus, like that's terrifying. I don't know what the hell was going on there, but you know. So, so yeah. So the point is, like, not feeling the pain. <laughs> By we, I mean me. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we we feel your pain. So one stretch goal, is, uh, you know, is, is going to be a shipping uh, fund to take money mm-hmm. off uh, the cost of international shipping. The other thing is, you can pay shipping in installments because we've teamed up with Backerkit. For people who don't know, Backerkit mm-hmm. is a really well established yeah. company. Their whole thing is helping make sure that the people who back the campaign get the thing. And part of how they do that is they make it so that the backer can kind of protect themselves from fluctuating shipping rates by not charging shipping in the campaign, which also makes the campaign total lower, makes it more likely to happen. And instead, what happens is uh, you get like a little email a little after the campaign funds saying, hey, what's your address? And you go, well, I live here. Okay, cool. And then you just forget about it until it's time uh, about a month before uh, it is time to ship the thing, at which point you get another email saying, hey, is your address still this? Okay, cool. By the way, now pay shipping based on the current rate. Um, and so it's kind of nice because that way, even if the shipping you know, discount fund does not happen, uh, although I hope it does, uh, yeah. you will still have the ability to pay your shipping uh, in like, you know, you, you can pay for the whole thing in two installments basically by paying for the shipping months later, yeah. uh, which is nice. Yeah, so is yeah, yeah. So. So there's that. And then finally, the, the thing I didn't expect or plan for, but it was a very happy coincidence. Or, I think this um, is the chance. best thing you've done is, is this mm. last one. Like, pay, oh. pay, pay you guys as much as you can. But, like, this is really good. Like, this one here, this last stretch goal. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So um, before we get to infinite pay goals raises, which is what it is after a while, because I'm just going to run out of things to add to the magazine. Uh, I thought one last thing would be kind of fun. I was very fortunate. And this is something I think anybody who tries to kickstart a project should kind of not ever assume will happen, but be prepared for. Be prepared for the fact that if you're making something really cool and people really like what you're doing and maybe you've put out a proof of concept, which is what I did with issue zero, 
people might go, you know, I want to help out even before it gets to the point of uh, money and Kickstartering. And I was yeah. so, so lucky. A fellow by the name of Gonzalo, who I know through uh, the server where I mostly jabber about Sword and Sorcery with all the other addicts, uh, he reached out to me and said, hey, man, you know, I really want to support the magazine. I could translate a story because uh, there's a Spanish language sword and sorcery mm-hmm. scene in Central and South America. He said, I could translate a Spanish language story for you. I'd do it for free just this once, you know, to, to help boost the magazine. I went, holy crap, yeah. So we worked together, um, you know, through him because I, I don't speak a lick of Spanish. You know, we, we read a few um, magazines and, and settled on, um, settled, chose excitedly uh, a story by uh, Jesus Montalvo uh, and his story that was published in Quinta Raza. And, uh, which is the magazine. And yeah, we reached out to Jesus and he was like, yeah, man, let's do it. So we have, uh, Gonzalo is right now working on the translation of his story. And so it's kind of fun because to the best of my knowledge, we are the only contemporary sword and sorcery magazine, uh, that has done or will be doing <laughs> something like this. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, and I really want to tap into that Spanish scene. And so I thought about it. I was like, well, what if we took this further? And so I asked Gonzalo, like, could you translate both magazines? But like, once we have them made and written in English, translate them all back into, um, could we translate them all back into English, uh, Spanish and maybe make it available to EPUB? And like, he couldn't do it, but he put me in touch with someone, blah, blah, blah. Point is our biggest, hairiest stretch goal is to translate the magazine into Spanish. Uh, and make yeah. it available by, by pub. I think that's and, uh, amazing the- because so many books get put out, but they never get translated to another language. The fact that mm. your first one, straight out the gate, your first issues are going to also get a separate language translation, I think that's amazing. And oh, yeah, the definitely. fact that you found a whole other thriving community in another country, and instead of being like, ah, we'll get to them later, you're like, no. We're going to help serve them now. We're going to get them that book. Mm. I think that's amazing. And I really hope you get to that stretch goal because that is something so few people do. Uh, me too. And I, honestly, if I thought it was remotely plausible, I would add a, uh, two more translations to that. I, I'd add Portuguese, uh, which is also a big scene because again, Central South America, uh, and maybe French, actually. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, I, I, but I, I looked into some other stuff and, uh, well, translation is expensive and it's not something yeah. I learned was that I had, I had no idea how the pay rates went. I didn't know what translators get paid on average, but I also didn't know how that worked in relation to the writers. You know, I thought, well, they've already done the work, so they get paid again? You know, I mean, I want to pay writers more, but I don't want to make it impossible for me to make this thing happen. Da, 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 all these yeah. thoughts you have, you know. Um, and I looked into it, and well, okay, I'm, I'm down with it. Uh, so uh, you pay the, uh, the, the sort of agreed upon average across editors I was able to talk to, and I was lucky. I did sort of tap into an online community of other SFF magazine mm. editors, mm. is you pay the translator what they, their rate is, and you pay the authors again. So oh, that stretch goal at the very end Actually, I maybe should highlight this. I don't think I'm doing that right now. It's not just paying for a Spanish translation, EPUB, all backers get it for free, and then it's made available mm. for sale affordably on the store that we'll have eventually. Um, it also is another pro-rate payday. It just oh. does bunk and doubles the payday for the yeah, authors. Wow. So That's I would awesome. definitely yeah. highlight that. That'd be great. Yeah, I should. I should. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so there you go. So, so that, like I said, it all comes back to this thing of financial accessibility, uh, and language accessibility as much as we're able, um, <clears throat> making the highest quality product. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, uh, shame anybody who likes extra bits of jingle jangle, uh, with their books and things, you know, the keychains, uh, whatever. Um, yeah. but I just think to me, it was like, let's put all the money into the thing that you're already getting. Let's make the thing you're already getting better, easier to get. Faster, stronger, or however the Daft Punk song goes. <laughs> Faster, stronger, harder. It's so complicated to remember that lyric. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that's kind of like our main thing there. And and uh, 
And so I've spent the last few months like learning, like I didn't know how to get a printer, but luckily I have a lot of uh, Evernote files. This is, this will be sort of my raw foundational advice to anybody who wants to eventually maybe do a project like this, keep good notes. Uh, I use a mixture of Evernote and physical notebooks, but however works best for you, keep good notes and write down stuff that you're like, I have no idea what I would do with that right now, but maybe later, because uh, one big way I saved my ass was early on, I thought, okay, um, I've not done this before. I'm pretty pretty okay at math, but I'm not like really like a big accounting brain guy. And I'm worried because I've heard horror stories of people who run Kickstarters where they don't do the numbers right. And then they just get boned. They don't have money to pay for the tax or or whatever, right? Somehow it gets all messed up and it ruins them financially and they get really mad at them because they don't deliver the thing, you know, or they deliver the thing, but at the cost of their own, you know, financial health. So just because of a, a webcomic guy named Tom McHenry that I follow on Twitter, and uh, he hasn't done comics much lately, but whatever. Uh, just by chance, I followed him, and then his uh, his partner, uh, Sarah, uh, is also very funny on Twitter, so I followed her. And then by following her, I, was, I, I learned that she uh, did a fulfillment for Tapatico, which is a company that is basically responsible for a lot of North American and other webcomic people making a living. Tapatico does a lot of um, uh, basically merchandise for webcomic people and other publishing types. Um, And eventually when Kickstarter and all that became a thing, Tapatico has been around a while, uh, they started doing fulfillment for campaigns and Sarah worked for them and then now works solo helping people with Kickstarter campaigns make sure they work and they happen and people get the thing. And so, oh, you know, awesome. she's helped, uh, I think the total of all the Kickstarters she's helped at this point is three and a half million. Uh, you can check nice. that out at sarahmchenry.com. Uh, uh, and I'm heartily recommending her to anybody out there who thinks like, yeah, I want to do a Kickstarter, but I'm a little scared. I need a, I need a bit of hand holding. I need a bit of information from someone who knows more of what they're doing. And also something big that Sarah's doing for me is uh, I live in a downtown apartment. I do not have room to turn my place into uh, the New Edge Sword and Sorcery warehouse when all the magazines come in. Uh, so blessedly, Sarah, I presume, has an arrangement of some kind with, uh, you know, because I don't think she lives in a huge warehouse. <laughs> but she has it set up so that, you know, I can have her, I can, I'm going to have the books delivered to her in Chicago, and then she will ship them out. So that's really cool. She's helping take that sort of small business side of it that I do not physically have room for in my daily life um, yeah. uh, for a, a very reasonable fee. Um, so that was a thing I did very early on, and it was also good to bring her on board because Sarah knew printers. I didn't know printers. I knew like a half dozen POD type things, none of which really appealed to me because, well, some of basically the issues with Amazon quality control and also yeah. uh, the, the chunk of payment they take out. Um, yeah. You know, uh, so yeah, all, 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 all the reasons not to want to do POD, which is a perfectly legit thing. And I'm not shaming anyone for doing, don't get me wrong, but I want to see if I can do something where I have more control, make a little bit more mm. uh, profit that I can invest back in the business, blah, blah. So Sarah also helped me, uh, because she already had a relationship with a couple of printers and she presented what they're doing. And, uh, you know, we talked about it and picked a printer called Regent, uh, operates out of Hong Kong that I'll be using. Uh, so hopefully the shipping, international shipping thing doesn't happen again where that guy blocks the Suez Canal. Uh oh, didn't that just yeah, happen? <laughs> Yeah. Something like I think it wasn't as bad, but yeah, something did get jammed again. Yeah, whoops! It's, it's you know the the big Twin Peaks giant shows up. You know it is happening again. Um, but then again, from Hong Kong, it's probably not a problem. Anyway, whatever point is, I'm getting lost in detail again. Sorry, listen, this, this is the thing where like if you like the detail, I got it for you. But if you want just the bare bones facts, unfortunately, <laughs> we're not the guys who are going to stop you. Huh. Um, 
yeah so so yeah so this is all kind of like early like um you know uh october november stuff that i was figuring yeah. out bringing on find people who are smarter than you who have relationships that you don't have that you can tap into yeah. who can help you with the stuff you don't know what you're doing i think is, is basically being a big thing that i've tried to carry into this project and i'm glad i've done it um and then yeah i you know i just started aggressively seeking out talent i mentioned earlier we're not doing open submissions for the magazine now that is with a dot 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 yet I do eventually want to climb that mountain. But as I said, I want to figure out each step along the way. So I felt like, you know, with issue zero, I learned, okay, I can make a magazine. I now know how to do layout and design and work with the authors and so on. I can always have room to improve, but I, I know I can right. do it. And I know I like it. Okay, I'm going to do it again twice with issues one and two. Now I'm going to get my head around Kickstarter because I have done crowdfunding before, but it was like 10 years ago on Indiegogo. I need an update and I'm glad, you know, I, I have an idea of what works and I have had some harsh lessons on those old Kickstarters ages ago. For example, uh, promising too many physical rewards that you have to ship out is a big bummer for a lot of Kickstarter people. So that's part of why we're doing things the way we're doing it uh, with the magazine. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, uh, I realized I was like, I don't think I want to also take on, on top of the, the big crowdfunding thing, I don't also want to take on doing a slush pile. I don't want to yeah. try and navigate that because yeah. it's a lot of work. I mean, all of this is a lot of work, but the slush yeah. pile, I think, would be too much work on top of the other stuff that I'm figuring out. And <sighs> I, I really want to kind of establish the voice of the magazine very, very, yeah. very clearly in its first issues. And a Absolutely. good way to do that is to just pick who you want in the magazine yeah. directly, um, you know. <laughs> so I spent a few months... Um, Pretty much up until two weeks ago, actually, I was still finalizing a couple of names, but most, the lion's share of it was done by the time Christmas uh, rolled around of uh, me reaching out to authors whose work I'd read and said, I like your stuff. Here's what I'm doing. Do you want to get on board? And, uh, you know, some people I can get, some people I couldn't, whatever, you know, that's how it goes. But ultimately, I'm extremely happy with my roster of contributors to this in uh, both mm. the authors and the artists. You know, it has never been a better time to find artists for a project because, you know, they're, they're all online. They're all posting their stuff, yeah, yeah. you know? I, I mean, Instagram, my fault. Fo my follower, as in people I'm following, sorry, my following count on Instagram has just gotten bloated over the last few months as I just keep finding cool artists. And even if I can't, maybe, you know, they're not available or I can't afford them this time around or whatever, um, you know, maybe next time, right? So, yeah, so many cool artists, so doing so much cool work, and I have been very, very lucky to get everyone on board that I have for this one. I mean, I'm uh, really happy to uh, hearing earlier on you said that you got the all the authors, and uh, except for a couple, and the artists yeah. back from the issue zero. So it's like... Mm -hmm. I'm already invested in some of these artists and their oh, stories yeah. and, and things. And it's like, oh, we're getting more. We're getting more. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I think I can safely say at least one of the authors, uh, no, two. I can safely say at least two of the authors from Issue Zero, their characters, that if you enjoyed them in Issue Zero, great, because they're coming back. Uh, <laughs> yes. Daryl Quiet. Ariel Quiog's, you know, sort of Genghis Khan-inspired character, Orhan the Snow Leopard, will be returning. Uh, he was just messaging me about his story idea yesterday, and like, you know, listener, I liked it. Um, <laughs> and uh, David C. Smith will be bringing his sort of thieving duo back as well, uh, oh, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure right. J.M. Clark is bringing back uh, Kiembe uh, as well, but uh, I don't yes, him that's that. my favorite sure. one. Oh, yeah? Nice. Oh, cool. Oh, I'll make sure I'll tell them that. Uh, and actually, that's one of the fun things that I've been doing since Issue Zero came out. You know, I really, I, this makes me sound like someone's a mum, but it's just, I want everyone <laughs> to feel appreciated. 
I want everyone to feel loved. And so every time I've seen like a, a comment on Facebook or, you know, a section of a review that pertains to a particular author or artist, you know, saying this guy's stuff was great. Um, I'll screen cap it and send it to the person. Oh, really? That's always good. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun, man. It makes it more fun. And you want people to feel valued. And, you know, and that's yeah. ultimately been one of the main things I learned mm -hmm. by doing issue zero that I went, oh, I love this and I want to keep doing this was uh, getting to treat creators the way I, myself, a writer, like to be treated. So, mm, yeah, I, that's been a big part of the joy of it. Um, so, yeah, so, so you know, like I said, a lot, a lot of the work's been getting the authors and artists uh, racked up. Um, and, yeah, all of the artists are coming back. So if you like the art from issue zero, hurrah. Uh, and a whole bunch of new people. We... Speaking of, of authors, you've picked up a, a pretty big name in the sword and sorcery community. Um, people outside might not recognize them, but do you, do you want to speak a little bit on that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for catching me. I've only got his latest book beside me here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I honestly think like a non-zero amount of people outside in Sorosaurus who will get it, but like, Ooh. if you're into it, you're, you know, this, this name should light your eyeballs up. Um, so we won't, Actually, I was going to say, actually, we've been doing contributor reveal posts on our social media in the run-up to the Kickstarter, and we'll be doing more yeah. afterward because maybe you haven't checked out the Kickstarter where we list everybody yet. Um, and that's been very fun seeing people's reactions. And uh, this episode is going up on February 2nd when it launches. Great. Mm -hmm. February 1st, the day before, we will have revealed that Michael Moorcock will have a new original story in issue one of New Age Sword and Sorcery. Now, if you know this, like I said, it will make you know your hair stand up because Michael Moorcock is one of three names that always get bandied about as the legends of Sword and Sorcery through the 20th century into this one for him, um, along with Robert E. Howard, the creator of Conan, the guy who basically birthed the bloody genre, and... Uh, along with Fritz Leiber, creator of Fafnir and Grey Mouser. And if you don't know who that is, you should check him out because he basically invented the contemporary fantasy rogue, thief, thieves guild, city of thieves, all that stuff. Check him out. Michael Moorcock has written scobs of books, many characters. He's been writing since he was like 21, 2, 3, something in that neck of the woods. He published his first book. He's 82. He's still writing. He's, and he's not a legend with dust on him. He's had uh, his main character... Elric of Melnibene, who's kind of an inverted Conan. He's kind of neat, that guy. Um, he's been publishing Elric stories since uh, getting published, I should say, since he was you know in his 20, early 20s. And just last year, he had a complete three-book hardcover collection of all the Elric uh, novels, novellas, whatever, from the past, uh, put out uh, by Tor, uh, not a small publisher by any stretch, and uh, The Citadel of Forgotten Myths, a new Elric novel. Like the guy is still thundering along and doing well, and people still like mm. his stuff. But uh, if you're not familiar with him, I really, really endorse checking out his work. Not just because it's good, but because he is a direct inspiration, cited often to uh, creators like George R. R. Martin, whose House of Dragons show Matt Smith's character. The look of him is Elric tits the toes and yes. then uh just the, the, amongst other things but especially like if you were going to cast someone to play elric it would be matt smith more or less wearing the battle armor you know in that um and then uh neil gaiman i, I was listening to an interview with him on uh, mark maron uh, maybe a month or two ago and in that interview he directly says yeah michael moorcock big influence love his stuff uh I, in that sort of friendly way that authors do he kind of lifted some stuff from michael moorcock's writing to include in sandman when he was doing that well, back in the day checking you through know, audible he, before we found um the Elric series, uh, Neil Gaiman's actually listed as an, a co-author on there. 
Ah, uh, yes, because he has, I, I should have thought, yeah, in the first volume of this new big collection of uh, the Elric stuff, uh, he did a little intro, which was sort of a funny little personal story. It's uh, it's interesting. Um, yeah, so there you go. Exactly right. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, Neil Gaiman's plainly a fan uh, and, and has been inspired by him. And and lots of people, like, this is the other thing, do you read Michael Moorcock? Like I said, the other guy for his library is like a foundational author for fantasy thieves and stuff. Moorcock is foundational for a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, you know, it's debatable in some ways, I suppose, but I've seen it cited too many times to ignore uh, that he may well be responsible for the concept of the fantasy multiverse. And uh, all this stuff of, you know, law and chaos and balance and the struggle between those three things, uh, you know, any fan of Warhammer and Games Workshop stuff is really familiar with, uh, and Black Library books, uh, they they took that straight from Moorcock, including the symbol of chaos with the arrows pointed in all directions, for example, all Moorcock. Um, So... You know, uh, he's been a huge, huge, huge influence. And if you aren't familiar with him and go back and read him, you'll just keep tripping over stuff going, oh, oh, okay, yeah, oh, this thing I love that came later uh, was building on this. Um, so, yeah, but as I say, I don't want to make him sound like he's, oh. he's dusty in a vault for you to check out. He's living, he's writing, he's publishing. Um, and I am incredibly lucky uh, to have him on board for an original story for issue one. Wow, that, like, I, I mean, like, I've read a lot of fantasy stuff before and this guy I'm, i feel bad that i've not read his books yeah and it's it like a serious win to get a new story from him for this magazine yeah i mean it he doesn't need me he's essentially what talking is to high fantasy Moorcock is to uh, sword and sorcery by the sounds of it. He's just influenced so I much. mean, it's, arguably, yeah. I, I would say if you, if you were to do that, I would say uh, Tolkien, like I said, is kind of split between three guys, but Moorcock's the only mm. one still living. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Robert E. Howard. Uh, <laughs> she, well, that got dark. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> well, so good um, news. We have, managed, we have managed to kidnap John Doe. Oh, yes, hello. <laughs> Uh, I've, hi, I've uh, managed to make it in after everything is going on here, but I'm here now, and yeah, I'm just reading through everything with that. Uh, oh, yeah. moment, and I'm yeah, yeah. So, listener, I've, I've I've sent them the link uh, to because you can preview the campaign, run it by people for feedback, and I'm glad I did. I. I'm in a quantum state as I say this. I do not know if it will happen, but I'm pretty sure it will happen. Uh, the guys here actually had a fun idea that, you know, the, um, Seth was saying how he really liked the art in issue zero, but would have liked it if it had been available in a format that he could even use for, you know, a piece of art for his background or whatever, you know, just see, just check out the art in like a separate file. Uh, which had not occurred to me. And now I'm thinking, yeah, we could totally do that as a Kickstarter yes. exclusive. So, uh, you know, if people who buy the book uh, later will not get it, but if you get in on the Kickstarter, uh, I think we, it's fair to say we will be able to offer a, um, you know, zip file or whatever of high quality mm. versions of the graphics uh, for non-commercial use, uh, not in any publishing, just private personal fun times, you know, like I say, background on your computer, that kind of thing. Uh, I've got to look into it, though. So, uh, let's say, Quantum State, this may be on the Kickstarter <laughs> by the time uh, this Hopefully. airs and you see it. Yeah, the R or aren't welcome. <laughs> No. Yeah, you are, you are, you are, you are welcome. Or fuck off. No. Uh, <laughs> no, I just, I just mean it's one of those things. And this actually goes back to something, um, a good point to mention of all for anybody listening who's thinking about doing their own thing. Be careful not to promise anything until you've got it a hundred and ten percent confirmed. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, for, I mean, that's so I, that's what I say. I, it's called a feature creep. 
Absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, uh, I, if I can, I will offer that art book. Uh, look for it if it, if it is if it is possible, I will yeah. offer it. It might uh, have to wait for issue but... three and four. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll see what happens. Now, I, yeah, and I, yeah, if we do, it just, that brings me to something else. Actually, think about the future. Um, if we get to do issues one and two, hurrah! Yeah. Obviously, first up, just hurrah! And uh, I will then have money to pay the people to make the thing. Uh, so that means it won't There's ship. Probably my, yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, it won't ship, I don't think. My my, oh, it's all very. I'm figuring it out. It's my first time doing it, right? But like I said, I've got good people. I've got Sarah on board. I've got Backer Kit on board. I've got back. You know, I've got people in place to help make sure this thing happens. Um, but yeah, I can't. So I can't give you like a day. I'm hoping that people will be able to have it in their hands by mm, October. You know, uh, shipping God's willing uh, of 2023. Uh, and to save on shipping, I'm just going to ship both issues together, which feels funny, right? Because you think magazine, yeah. oh, I want to release it quarterly or once a month. And I hope to get to a point where I can find an economic model to make that viable. <clears throat> but right now, I just think people would rather not pay double the shipping just for yeah. the thrill of getting a yeah, issue definitely. two a month later. Um, yeah, so we're going to ship them both together. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping in September so that people can start going, oh, boy, and read it in October. Uh, with an eye to maybe doing a Kickstarter for issues three and four a year today, more or less. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, but beyond that, I, I am, I'm, I'm very serious about how I really want to try and turn this into a proper running concern, proper business, because I do yeah. really enjoy uh, all the problem solving of this, and I do really enjoy getting to treat creative people the way I like to be treated as a creative person. Mm. And also, I just bloody love the stuff that you know we're making. Mm. Uh, so. We'll see what happens. I'm not making any big promises, but as a kind of, you know, with all those caveats now made, I have been looking into and making little rough plans. Uh, if we find issues one and two and it looks like, okay, yeah, this is going, people want more stuff, um, I'm going to make it a proper little publishing company. I'm hoping to do like mini anthology style themed issues. Oh, so like yeah. New Edge Sword and Sorcery special issue, you know, one we talked about that was kind of fun. Uh, we thought about, we call it gray beards, but maybe make something more gender inclusive. So I don't know, gray <laughs> hair, gray skins, something like that, silver steel, whatever. Um, so make it do an issue where it's older creators writing about older characters uh, in Sword <laughs> and Sorcery. So like, you're, you're, you know, kind of like your Dark Knight Returns, you know, Batman when he's 50 and he's all covered in scars or whatever, mm. uh, or older even. Uh, so do, do an issue of stories theme, uh, and nonfiction themed on that would be kind of cool. Or another one themed on, I don't know, pirates or do one themed entirely on stories and creators uh, of asian backgrounds that kind of thing uh, just whatever the heck it is let's find find a unifying theme like like, like i say like an anthology but a special issue of the magazine and oh, probably yeah, do a photographer yeah, two together amazing. thank yeah. you yeah um and we've got like 20 that we want to do so that's why i started babbling <laughs> no, uh, dude, like, at um, the same time it's yeah, really yeah. cool because it's Walkers like you're not just trying to get this one over the line and maybe mm. we'll do a three and four yeah, okay, these may not turn out for a year, two years, three years, but you're already thinking about it. You're already looking to enhance the product. It's not a cul-de-sac of, if we get new edge sword and sorcery, we do two a year, cool. Nah, you're already looking to be like, oh, we could do some spin-offs and get some special artists mm. and, and writers in to do this really cool collection. You're already looking to expand. I think that's good because it gives you that, Faith that yeah. cool. Backing it now means I'm getting my first issues, and there's yeah. a lot more coming. It's not just a now what. 
there's a foundation here as opposed to just being a you know ah we'll do it now like there's solid yeah we'll just, we'll just keep keep coming more updates which is nothing wrong with that but yeah and I mean honestly um uh, the other thing is I'm, I want to look seriously at publishing books I would really yeah. like to publish uh well, a book size anthology which uh, certainly I would do open subs for that uh, I'd have to uh, and also one thing I really love and I I, I like that it is coming back it doesn't seem to be happening so it gives me faith that people would dig it if I did it uh, novellas. I would yes. really like to publish oh, yeah. uh, sword and sorcery and perhaps other genres down the road. Christ, I don't know, but let's just stick to sword and sorcery for now. Mm. Uh, novellas, because yes. I think the novella is a great length. Um, you know, sword and sorcery, uh, as I talked about in issue zero, one of the things that sort of makes it a really distinct fantasy subgenre is uh, like a bunch of stuff. But one of them is that it, it really works well in short episodic tales. And I have enjoyed mm. what Tor has been doing with their novella series, like their murder book. Uh, series, for example, where it's kind of like a TV show in the sense that each novella tells like a pretty tight story, and it's definitely like crafted as kind of an episode, not in the yeah. sense of you're committing, oh god, another long fantasy series, but just like here's like one adventure with Murderbot, check it out. You know, if you get Murderbot two, there's some continuity, but it still functions. It's just like a fun, you know, if you start there, it works for you. Don't worry about it, kind of thing. Trust um, me, I, I love that idea. We've been doing, yeah. uh, we started doing a bit of a book club as part of our podcast. Um, and one of the things we kept running into was like we'd start a book and be like, "Oh God, there's 13 more." So, and then was yeah, the idea of like what I'm done is this. is actually something really good. And I I don't know about yeah. you guys, but when yeah. I first when I first got issue zero of Sword and Sorcery, yeah. I was reading it on my lunch break at work, mm. and it was really good to be like, "Look, man, I've got 30 minutes. I can sit and read a, a short story and done." Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And the novellas are, are fun, one and dones or in series that are planned, you know, as I say, sort of an episode, uh, I can't speak, planned episodically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you read yeah. all of it, you get rewarded for reading all of it. If you read book seven on its own, fuck it, you still had a good time. Um, and so yeah. I, what I'd love to do, my idea, again, we'll see what happens with the economics. But what I would love to do is have like a, a quarterly subscription for novellas. And so, like, line up four authors, uh, each book having an artist dedicated, I would think, for internal black and white. It's probably called from the magazine, right? Um, and just, yeah, every three months you get a novella from one of the authors that were listed in the Kickstarter Ooh, yeah. uh, in the mail. Uh, and I would definitely be offering that in gorgeous, 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 every enhancement I can think of, hardcovers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. And, but, you know, it's just, so you've already had his hook, but then you mentioned the hardcovers. Like, if you can hear my voice right now out in the internet, back this man's Kickstarter. Make it happen. <laughs> I want these books. I want these novellas. In my unbiased opinion, you should listen to him. Um... <laughs> So, so yeah, so, I, I guess I've got, so I've got these exciting plans, and I, I, for me, a big thing of it is always, and this is my advice as well to anyone doing stuff, if I'm in any position to give advice, we'll see if issues one and two get funded. Um, I think it's a good, a good way to help make something that is already going to be a lot of work manageable is to see how you can plug stuff you're already doing into the thing and how you can build on the thing as opposed to create separate whole other things that are unrelated. Yeah. So like what I said when I was talking about those novellas, which like, I don't know when those are going to happen, man, but like sooner, I hope, uh, we'll see, uh, you know, two years from now, I don't know. But whenever the hell those things happen, like I said, I was, I mean, oh, I, I would already know artists from doing the magazine, mm. right? So, and then like, meanwhile, putting the, the, the Meanwhile, I can't speak, guys. Sorry, listeners. It's early in Canada. That's fine. We can uh, barely speak English off the Putting together the magazine, something that's really benefited me is my writing podcast uh, called So I'm Writing a Novel. You can check it out, mm -hmm. so I'm writing a novel .com. It's available everywhere podcasts are found. Point is, 
I, through interviewing many authors and artists, that's where most of the talent came from for issue zero. I'd already built these relationships with people. I'd already interviewed, say, Daryl Kriog. And I was yeah. like, I know I like your stuff because I read it. And I, I went, I want to interview this guy. We got to know each other. We liked each other from the interview. So then it's like pretty easy peasy getting him on board with the magazine. So, you know, find ways that like your creative endeavors, if you have more than one going on, and, you know, most of us like to try and do lots of things, uh, you know, find ways they can benefit each other uh, and plug into each other and build off of each other. I think that's a really good thing because like even if the if the publishing thing gets going and oh, I hope it does, it, it will definitely be more profitable than the podcast unless something really magical happens. But I hope to keep doing the podcast because A, I enjoy it uh, and B, um, it's great for building relationships. And I like, Ooh. that's part of what I enjoy about this too. Like I'm Johnny extrovert over here. I love yeah. meeting people. I love meeting and build, building relationships with other people. And I guess that comes back to something else that sometimes can, you know, people get, uh, feel awkward about or even slimy, uh, networking. All networking means if you have the right attitude. And I think I do. And I feel lots of people do. I'm not, I didn't invent it. Um, is to not treat it as like, how can I use you and be like looking yeah. over someone's shoulder at a party because you saw somebody more important. Uh, you look at it. Is, uh, making friends with peers and if you get lucky and get to be in touch with you know a Michael Moorcock or some other big figure awesome mm -hmm. but the goal is to build peer relationships so that you can all help yeah. each other lift each other up you know I continue to be extremely grateful to the issues your contributors I enjoyed working with all of them and would be inviting them back anyway but it had always been my plan that if Issue Zero did well and we could kickstart for more issues, which is what's happening, I would, of course, invite them all back because they help, you know, lift me up by making it possible to make Issue Zero. We helped yeah. each other out. I made the magazine happen in the sort of top-down umbrella organizational, like, making the project happen thing. Of course, the magazine couldn't have happened without me. It also couldn't have happened without them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, of course I'm going to bring them back when I can bloody pay them and try and pay them as much of as course. humanly possible. Stretch goals. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, like, even just, like, this podcast itself, talking to you the first time, you <laughs> gave us some tips and advice, held the program we're using right now to record it we didn't even know about. Our podcast has gotten better just by having talked to you. We've essentially yeah. networked with Oliver Brackenberry. <laughs> And it's already made things better. The the rising tides lift all ships. Um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think... I mean, it's true that if you look at the entire globe, there is a technically finite amount of people and money and time to give to creative endeavors, for sure. But I just prefer not to think of myself as being directly in competition with anybody. And I have long since learned that you have a lot more to gain by sharing and helping others uh, that are doing similar things to you than by hoarding information. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, yeah, I'm sure there's the old prick. I don't feel like helping. <laughs> oh yeah. There's always at least a couple. Yeah, exactly. But you know, pricks happen. Uh, and uh, other than that obvious caveat, uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I do very transparent sharesies on my podcast all the time, of whatever I'm up to. And certainly, mm. If it succeeds, I will do it more happily, but succeed or yeah. fail, I do plan to release an episode of So I'm Writing a Novel where I will talk about the Kickstarter uh, in sort of I'm you know really real detail, how, how yeah. it went, why, did it, why, why do I think it went that way, and what comes next, uh, which might be just cry a bit uh, if it fails. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> This next but, month know, is slated for crying in bed and then yeah. we'll move on from there. <laughs> I'll be crying from April, April through May, uh, nine to five. Yeah. Um, but you know, even if that happens, I mean, I know myself, I, I'm not going to stop wanting to make things. So 
there will be some kind of what's next, even if it fails. But obviously, I would prefer massively that it succeed and so I can build on it, do more issues, do those specials, do those anthologies, do those novellas, subscription things, do those beautiful hardcovers with end papers and then, yeah. you know, a note from your mom saying she loves you. I don't know, whatever enhancements I can put in there. <laughs> so we've talked about the past issue zero. We've talked about the Kickstarter that's happening now. And we've talked about the delicious things of the future, which I absolutely want. Yeah. How about we round things out? If you've got anything less you'd like to hit, Oliver? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, I'm always doing too many things. I mean, I, part of the fun of doing prom- promotion, actually. Wait, wait, a little bit of promotion, just a bit, a bit of that. Uh, uh, not promoting me, although I feel like that's, 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 been, yeah, that's been the hour. I would just say for anybody who's trying to promote your stuff, that whole thing of just reaching out and being friendly and like, building relationships and treating people as peers, it also works a lot better there, too. Mm-hmm. Every single oh, yeah. time I've reached out to people um, about, you know, can I be in your podcast to talk about the thing? For example, I have said and followed through on this with Issue Zero, um, you know, of course, we will promote your show when our thing comes out. You know, so if, if I'm on here for a chat, I'm not going to just let you put it out and hope that you do the work for me. I'm going to promote your show uh, by promoting the episode that I'm in. So we'll, again, we lift each other up kind of thing. Absolutely. So, yeah, so maybe I can kind of uh, do the end episode promotion that people usually do on these kinds of things as a kind of meta promo uh, or whatever, <laughs> just, just saying, hey, you know, like, it's been cool getting to reach out to people, meet people, help them to show there's value in you and them helping you uh, and just uh, be buds. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's it. Otherwise, I just, yeah, newedgesorcery.com is the website with all the links to all the things. You know, Issue Zero will still be available if you want to check that out before you back. Um, but I would encourage you to run, don't walk, to the Kickstarter. Yeah. which uh, the link is on the website. The link, I presume, will be in the show notes for this episode. Unfortunately, the Kickstarter link is very long. It's like kickstarter.com, new-edge-sword, you know. So, <laughs> but if you just go to Kickstarter and search for New Edge Sword, you'll find the bloody... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll link it through uh, there. Yeah. Um, look, or, or, you know, hunt for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, New Edge Sword and Sorcery. We uh, will be posting the link like bastards. Um, because, uh, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it, uh, pre-recording I did, yeah, but not in here. Uh, you would want to get in on the Kickstarter on day one if you can, partly because, well, it helps me. If we, if we fund on day one, it looks great and gets more people. Because you get momentum when you do Kickstarters. Yeah. People want to back a sure thing. So, mm. yeah, I'm absolutely asking you to, like, help me by backing it day one. But I will try and return the favor. Physical tiers, because it's got to be something we ship. So digital, I'm afraid, doesn't get it. But softcover, hardcover, backers will get a first day, launch day, Kickstarter exclusive bookmark. And that physical, you know, classic car stock bookmark will have original art by an artist called Sapro. You can see samples of her art on the Kickstarter page. Uh, she's brilliant. Uh, you, will, uh, you will get a piece of her art on the bookmark that will never be shown online, not by us anyway, and will never be used in anything else. It is exclusive entirely to this bookmark. Even if we only print 50, well, I guess there's only 50 copies of it. That's it. Um, so, you know, if you want something cool that shows, yeah, I backed this thing day one, go on for it. And maybe if you back it, there'll be the digital art book, but definitely if you back it, there will be the magazine <laughs> I mean, proper yeah. and digital softcover hardcover. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, uh, I'm a slut uh, for an art book, so I will definitely want that going forward. But... <laughs> yeah, if we can have it, because I remember I'm recording this a week before launch, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we will have it. No pressure, uh, man. No pressure. <laughs> But I, like, I love it. It's a good idea. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. And that, that will be Kickstarter exclusive uh, for the 30 days yeah. if we do it. I, I mean, think. Uh, so look, yeah. I love the idea of a bookmark, but I'm not going to lie, man. Fight me for one of those hardcovers. Yeah, no, I'm at, not at the time of recording. Time. 
There are two hundred. Yeah, the hardcover is going to be limited edition, edition, folks. I'm very sorry because of the cost of printing. Uh, there will only yeah. be one hundred backer uh, possibilities, tiers, whatever. One of them is me. Damn yeah. it! Well, well, we, we have to fight two hundred and fourteen people apparently because at the time of recording, <laughs> there's two hundred and fourteen followers. So I, I'm regardless, I'm jumping on day, day of launch. Like I want, I want these like hardcovers. I'm not missing out. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely want to make sure that I've got one set aside for me. Actually, shoot, I should, I should change that right, to so, ninety nine so available because I want one. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta make sure you have at least one for yourself. <laughs> it's ticking down faster and faster. I don't know where yeah. the other. Yeah, I'm, seeing seeing yeah, I'm just seeing other chair made of hardcovers. And... These are all mine. Build <laughs> um, yourself. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> I, I genuinely think it's an exciting thing. I know you might be thinking, oh, he's a bit biased. It's his magazine, but like this whole thing comes out of me being a fan, wanting to make the thing I want to see in the world, wanting to make something, uh, you know, with a focus on having. Um, uh, a greater body of, of uh, diverse creators, a greater variety of storytelling within the genre. I think we've really tried to push the storytelling mm. uh, in issue zero and we'll be doing more so in issues one and two while keeping it recognizable as sword and sorcery, such a flexible genre. I love it. Mm. And just, yeah, just trying to just trying to put out the thing that I want. I'm not, like I said, I'm just a guy, not a big company. Uh, please come out and support this thing. If you want to see sword and sorcery grow as a genre, if you want to have a cool ass thing to read and look at, yeah. uh, if you want to help pay creators more, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all there. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for, for talking to us again, Oliver. Um, like I said, this episode will go out on the second alongside the Kickstarter. Um, we'll make that happen. And, mm. dude, best of luck with it. Like I said, you, I, if I could give you my money right now for it, I would do it. I've already tried <laughs> clicking the button. It won't let me do a thing. <laughs> I mean, we got to have a bit of a ramble with you at the start of this one. <laughs> uh, we got to have a bit of a ramble with you, but uh, John, dude, was there anything you wanted Shut to bring up, up from like, money. episode yes. of the uh, first edition of this that came out, or anything you wanted to ask? Or... Um, uh, Usmani, or as you were talking earlier about the mm. the artwork of it, Usmani, a lot of that I just absolutely loved. Just as you oh, started talking about more and more, I was like, oh my god, an art book, an art book would be yeah. so freaking good. Just. I wanted so much more of that for everything. And yeah, just when you said art book, like, oh, <laughs> well, I, I guess, uh, John, you're God seeing the, uh, the, the preview thing. of the Kickstarter. Just so you can see the, the leaderboard I made of cropped art samples of uh, the mm. 19 people we've got on board. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the one from Sapro alone, if we're getting a, a you know, bookmark that's you know, personalized art kind of thing, just one-off kind of thing. And I'm keen for that alone. Like, cause that's, yeah, that stuff's amazing. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, bless her. I was really happy she signed on. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we've got all kinds of people there, including some pedigree. Actually, I, I, uh, we have, um, Frank Rosetta's granddaughter has joined us. Uh, you know, Sarah doesn't try to put herself out there as being her grandfather. Who would? Um, but she, you know, she manages kind of his estate and the prints and everything of him, uh, yeah. and just likes to get involved in projects. So it's kind of fun, actually. We've got both Moorcock and, uh, and, and a Frazetta, uh, in the thing. Um, the old and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then as I say, we've got you know, people returning, we've got new talent. Uh, there's all kinds of people I can mention. I mean, just off the, off the top of my head, no shade on the others. Uh, Daniel Vega comes to mind. I really like I his sort of Lovecraft and cosmic horror. thing there for that, and it looks amazing. Yeah. Like, I need to look this out of stuff. See, I yeah, really he draws like, all um, kinds of Simon Underwood. I, I really like the stuff that you got there. Well, Simon Underwood, he's, he's cool. returning. Yep, I'm very happy That's to really have lovely. him. And uh, 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's say uh, the two cover artists, Gilead, who did issue zero, will be back uh, for issue two. And you can see on the sample there, and uh, listener, you will be able to see on the Kickstarter page, which will be live, so uh, don't feel excluded here. Uh, you can also see a, a cropped sample of Katarina Gabris. Jeez, uh, I'm buggering it. Kater- uh, oh, Oliver, you incompetent boob. Uh, <laughs> Katarina Gerbezi, or Gerbezi. Sorry, Katarina, if I'm buggering that. Um, yeah, uh, she's going to be doing the cover for issue one, which I actually told you guys the cover concept uh, when we talked about issue zero, and I yeah. looked around, and, and Katarina is going to be executing that. Uh, a riff on a classic Frazetta work, uh, which I'll say no more because people can go back and listen to the episode mm. about issue zero if they want. Oh, uh, if it's the one I think it is. I dis- Ooh, yeah, yeah. That cover I discussed with you is, is uh, if we fund, it is happening, uh, and I can't Thanks. wait for that. Uh, issue two's cover, uh, this is the thing, right? Issue one's got to be the brand, so that's issue one is a specific commission. Issue yeah. two will be a scene from a story. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but it'll be illustrated by Gilead, and he'll do a bloody good job because that's what he does. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I think we're going to have to wrap things up at this point. It's uh, it's become early morning here now. It is no longer evening. <laughs> Uh, oh, time zoning is a fun thing. Um, mm. So um, I think we're going to have to call this one at this point. Again, thank you very much for coming back on to talk to us all. We're very, like, like no bullshit, no pandering to your ego. We are super fucking excited about this. Oh, yeah. I can guarantee you getting one of those hardcovers. <laughs> we will Even fight if I got to get on a plane and come to Canada and take it from your cold, dead hands... I will have a hard cover. <laughs> My hands can be cold while I'm alive. I'm in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Australia, it's never cold. <laughs> yeah, no, I... <laughs> but yeah, so, thanks, guys. No, it's been it's fun to be back on. I really appreciate you helping me get out the good word for this, because uh, that is one of the big battles, right? You can make the coolest thing on Earth. It doesn't matter if nobody knows it exists. <laughs> and I can honestly say, even outside of... Um, the, the magazine itself. If you ever want to come back on and just have a Absolutely. chat with us, you're more than welcome. Sure, sure. Yeah, anytime you guys are chatting about something that makes sense to have on uh, an extra guest uh, that talks about what I talk about, I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, cool. Well, to everybody out there, thank you very much for listening to us, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this extra special episode. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. Have a good one. See ya. You mentioned sorcery.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>